blood money, worth the hype, or just some psychosis garbage. It's Amigos, everything Amigos. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're talking about blood money. Yeah, yeah, we are, Aaron, man. Listen, <laughs> you know, there's only one step below the Bitmap Brothers in the uh, in the sort of pyramid of crappy European developers, and it's Psygnosis right there at the bottom. Blood let money. You, let me tell you something. Boat does not speak for me. I want to make that abundantly clear. So please, please focus your hate mail towards Boat. I can't I'm not, wait do to not hear agree. you defend blood money. I can't. Oh, you're wait. going. You're going to. You're going to hear it, but but you have to wait. Okay. On second thought, well, before we get to that, I'm sure that's going to be a battle. Let's talk about your recent trip overseas the, to the people you just badmouthed over to Europe. Tell us how it went over there, boat. You just came back from the UK. It was good. You know, I I went over there ostensibly uh, to uh, visit Neil in the cave. But while I was over there, I had a chance to work with a, a, a youth marching band called the Britwin Imperial Youth Band, straight out of Essex, straight out of Brentwood. What are they called um, again? The what? The Brentwood Imperial Youth Band. Okay, yeah, Imperial Youth Band. That sounds very good. I couldn't tell what you yeah. said so fast before. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I figure the best way to talk about it, what questions do you have about my time over there, Aaron? Well, I, I do have questions. My first question is about the uh, the your the Imperial Youth Band. Like, how yes. old are these? How old is this youth band? And are they, is this like a high school band or just like a, a local bunch of buddies? What is this? This is it's closer to a local bunch of buddies. It's more like a scout troop than than a band. I mean, they're a band. They're a legit band. They travel all over the world, but they don't. They aren't affiliated with any school. It's just a club. It's like a club. They they rehearse uh, when, uh, Monday and Wednesday from seven to nine, and uh, they uh, they're just they're ages from ten to eighteen. You can you know once you hit eighteen, you're out, brother. Or but you can come back as a as a volunteer. It's like Logan's Run. The light comes on. That means you're out That's the right. door. That's right. <laughs> but uh, it was it was really interesting to see how they rehearse because they act just like American kids. When you're in there, you got the trombone section acting up in the back. You got the trumpet section playing too loud. You know, it's the same old story. But I really enjoyed my time. It was great. Did you now? Did, did, did when you were there? Did you just instruct? You didn't actually. Did you guys perform somewhere? What? What was? No, the no. I was just I was just there for a rehearsal. So I spent a little time uh, sitting in back in the trombone section. It's interesting. The trombones all play treble clef. All the instruments in the band play treble clef. So uh, it's a, a different a different sort of scoring than we're used to. It's based from the uh, the great British band brass band tradition, where all the brass players uh, use uh, treble clef. But uh, yeah, it was good. And then uh, after the rehearsal, uh, the director and his wife graciously allowed me to stay with them uh, in in their beautiful home. And uh, and so that was uh, it was it was great. It was a great way to kick off my my day. And of course, I ate lunch at the fanciest, literally the fanciest restaurant I've ever been in in my life. Uh, that 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 day, it was a place called the Hawksmoor, Ooh. and uh, it's right there, right there in Mayfair in London. There's a section in London where it's where you get your Bugatti dealership, your Ferrari dealership, Rolex, Louis Vuitton. There, it's all there in like a two block radius. And yeah. this is where this restaurant. And you're was. there, so and I'm what there. You, what do you wear to the fanciest restaurant? What did they wear? Would you guys were y'all dressed to the nines? Have you seen the beginning of Welcome to the Jungle music video? 
Yeah, where that, that was sort of what I looked bus. like. Yeah, that's that was what sort you of looked what, like. That was what I looked like. What did Meanwhile, they Meanwhile, everybody else. Uh, so I, everybody else is walking around just immaculate Savile Row suits. These gorgeous, you know, boots, heeled boots, hobnail yeah. boots. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I bumble in. Uh, and uh, and so, I, you know, I walk into this place and I'm there before Pete is. You don't see the restaurant at all when you walk in, by the way. All you see is this tiny reception room, right? Yeah. Because they don't rent the riffraff coming in. And she looks at me and I can tell that she thinks that I'm riffraff. Yeah. And she's like, what's the name on your reservation, sir? And I was like, I gave him Pete's name. And she's like, she looks down almost surprised. <laughs> That, that I was I was there and she's like all right go on up so I went on up but it was it was it was great Pete's a great guy uh, we had a nice time talking about the equities market in in London and blockchain the future of blockchain it got pretty heavy it got pretty heavy uh, yeah yeah now uh, well, that's interesting and just for the record how was the food the food was great you uh, know in America we have this perception that British food is not good. Uh, I, I assume that this was probably correct in maybe like 1964, but uh, yeah. since then, London has sort of become an international metropolis, and so you can get food of any any stripe there. And so, uh, you know, this steak that I had, I had the filet, and it was just a melt-in-your-mouth experience, so yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Pretty pricey joint there, both. Uh, pretty expensive to, to eat. Incredibly pricey. Incredibly pricey. Yeah. I mean, you're talking... You're talking lots of money. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal because Pete was gracious to uh, gracious enough to take me out. But he, he spent some bucks. Pete sounds like a pretty decent cat. I give that guy Very. give that guy credit. Now, uh, you know, I gotta ask you a couple more questions about your trip to to the London. There, I saw pictures of you, and I believe and some and I believe uh, uh, I was at. I know uh, Pixels of Dawn was there. I think but was a Pajaka that was with you, and then some mm -hmm. chicks. And you guys were yeah. in a. It was cold. You were bundled mm -hmm. up in this boat. What's the scoop on this yeah. boat you're in? Your boat. In so boat. this was in. This was in Cambridge. Okay, so in Cambridge, uh, the big thing to do, which I didn't know we were going to do, is there's a river that goes through it, the River Cam, and so they've got these little boats, and I think the name of the boats are actually punts because the verb is punting, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you're punting, what you're doing is it's it's the old Gen uh, the old Venice routine with the gondolier, you know. But instead, of, I don't know how. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know if gondoliers punt or if they row. But anyway, this guy, you, he basically just sticks a pole in the water and pushes the boat along. So it's like there were shoving. two options. Yeah, it's like shoving. There were two options. You could uh, you could either punt yourself or you could hire a punter. Uh, yeah. Quite quite rightly, we hired a punter because we saw a guy go in, and I know that if I was trying to pilot a punt, I would end up right there in the river cam, and that's not where you want to be in November. Isn't punter like a famous insult? Is that why it's because there's some geek that does that? I don't know if there's yeah, I don't know. It is sort of a, a low class, or it's not like a really deep insult. It's really somebody that is. I think it's just being somebody that doesn't know what they're doing or they're an amateur. But uh, I'm uh, not sure how what the connection is, you know. Or maybe it, they maybe they took the name from American football. So they so they you're in this boat. How many people was in a boat? Not counting the guy with the stick. Six, six. six there's two groups of three, each facing of each other. Yeah. And what? How how cold do you figure it was out there that day? We we were really lucky. The whole time we were there, I would say the temperature until the last couple of days was in the fifties, so it yeah. was comfortable. It was oh, that's comfortable. not too bad, Dan. They and, had and blankets it, in the punts, so you could yeah. cover up if you wanted to. How long were you in the in the boat? 
We were, I would say it was probably about an hour and I will say it was not the most comfortable boat I've ever been in. It was like, you know, it was a wooden, wooden seat and we were sitting kind of at a weird angle. I know that Pix, he jacked up his knee getting into the boat and he was hobbling around the, the rest of the day. So, you know, see, this is something I'm glad you brought this up. I'm not happy he hurt himself, but I thought, okay, so here's a picture of you, all these British people and they're all in this boat right? and, and you're all bundled up. There's a guy right. driving the boat. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, look, this is what these British people do all the time. And they just let boat tag along. I just assume British people are boating all over town. But what you're saying is maybe this is something that normally would happen. That's right. That's right. Britain is is a city or is a land of canals. Yeah. They usually have house boats that travel the canals. Not really. I see. I understand. So that sounds like it was fun. Now, let's get to the uh, um, let's get to the main event here. Which was yeah. your trip down to the cave, Neil mm. from RMC, uh, and, and uh, had you over to cave your old uh, your old partner from uh, the old this week in retro days. Right. Uh, so give us a scoop on how that went down, boat. Well, the cave is in a much more rural location than I first expected. <laughs> um, it's in Stroud. And Stroud is in a, in a, at least the, the location of the cave is in a pretty rural area. So we drive out in the country and we just keep driving. We go down this road on the way there. I'm driving with picks, right? Bajaco is, is following along in another vehicle. And uh, the road, the roads in England, you have these really tiny roads, like you're driving out some state route, right? But instead of seeing like a precipitous drop off on one side, like you do here, you have these hedges and the hedges completely block your view on both sides of the road and they're continuous. So all you see is just hedge on both sides of you. It makes you think that you're playing like an old computer game where they couldn't render the background. So they just draw the same thing over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. And He's doing about 90 down these roads. And all I can think about is what if we find it? What if we come across another? Cause there's nowhere to pull off. That's the downside of the hedge. I guess you'd have to, one person has to voluntarily fly through the hedge. If there's going to be a head on collision. Luckily yeah. we didn't meet anybody else and we managed to arrive there safe. The, 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 the cave is interesting because it's multiple buildings. So you've got the main mill in the cave part proper is on like the fourth or fifth floor and there's no lift. So it's, you're staring it. It's just like the Ringo concert afterwards. Got to climb to the top of the stairs. By the time you get there, you're about ready to fall over. Okay. Uh, The cave is a lot like, I would say it's probably a little bit bigger than my basement. Um, Like if you, if you take the unfinished side and the finished side together. Yeah. Yeah. It looks a lot bigger online than than in person but he's got it well cordoned off you know he's got sort of artificial barriers so you like different sections are kind of taken away uh the museum section is very nice and then behind the museum section he has a couple consoles spread out the whole front room is mostly consoles with a couple computers. And then inside one of the side rooms, he's got the wall of DOS machines. He's got like a 3.1, a Windows 95, and something else. Maybe an old you should, candy You should have went in there and stomped a hole in that Packard Bell. That would have made me happy. <laughs> but the cool thing is that, I mean, he literally has anything that you'd want to play 
ready to go. This is not like your typical museum where you have like a couple of hands on things, but it's mostly everything is behind glass. Yeah. This is like a fully immersive, like he encourages you to try everything. And so I spent a lot of time with the Vectrex, of course, got to get on there. I uh, spent some time with the Turbo Graphics. Uh, super, I mean, the Super Graphics was set up. That's the only time I want to get a chance to play on the Super Graphics. So uh, it, was, it was great. And then it's the stinks. arcade section. <laughs> yeah. The arcade <laughs> section is down in another part. You actually have to leave the building and go into another section. And the arcade was probably the most impressive thing of all in terms of the whole atmosphere because he's got the 80s music playing everything is like black light uh it's small it's not the galloping ghost by any stretch of the imagination but he's got all the machines everything at the cave looks brand new like nothing looks shoddy he only acquires things and he only puts stuff out that looks like it's pulled right out of the box so i was playing on arcade machines that i'd never played that i played before but i hadn't had the same experience because the machines were just so nice it's not like you know you go to the place in huntington they've got a lot of machines but some stuff isn't working some of yeah. the machines are really beat up these were great these were great so that was the second building and then uh, about two two or three floors up in the main building, this was my favorite building. Because you walk in, the first thing you see, Sabudio table. Set up, ready to go. And then there's a TV playing a show. I look back, what is it? It's the Yorkshire Pub Games, baby. He downloaded all the episodes off YouTube and played them on repeat off a USB stick. So you could go in there day or night, anytime, and just sit there and watch that. Which I did after a while. Because I needed to escape the excitement of the cave. Uh-huh. Finally, he's got a whole barn that's off to the side that's nothing but arcade restoration. So this is a third business that's kind of up and coming. They're going to I think they may do some more stuff later on down the line related to consoles and computers, but right now they're only doing arcade restoration and they've got stuff that you wouldn't believe. Like all kinds of wacky European games. I saw this Italian soccer game that was nuts. So that was awesome. Uh, there's a lady, Holly, that runs that. She's super, super nice, and she uh, she showed me around. And uh, it, everything about the cave was exactly like you'd think. I mean, think about Neil. Neil's one of the classiest guys we know. He's not going to open something up that isn't 100% class. It was great. Now, how how tall was Neil when you got up there? Was he, Neil, was he as tall as you? Neil is sneaky tall. I'd say he's about 6'5". No, really? Yeah. He's a monster yeah, he man. He towers. No kidding. I would never have guessed that. Now, me neither. I had no idea. Now, while you were over there, Boat, uh, you recorded a, a special uh, RMC Amigos over there, mm-hmm. uh, and with a, with a live crowd, uh, which yep. that seemed to go that seemed to go pretty well. Uh, did you guys do anything for his uh, this weekend retro? Did you guys do any little recording little bits for that? Is that a you secret? Know that I, I think there was talk of that maybe happening, but uh, it was decided that uh, that mo- I think Dave said Mondays are for this week in retro, and it wasn't a Monday, so we didn't do anything. That's how Which Dave. It seems to me like Velociraptor <laughs> has taken over the running of that show. Dave, Holy. I think pretty yeah, I think Dave pretty much steers that ship, and whatever he says is the law. Dave sort of reminded me of Gimli when I saw him over there. You know the but. The, if you saw him in real life, he would not remind you of Gimli because he also towers over you. He's a he's huge also man. an extremely tall man. Yeah. He's kind of like the UK's version of you. Really? I don't think yeah. that's a nice thing to say to Dave Velociraptor. Please, no, Dave. No, Dave. you guys you guys are like brothers. <laughs> well, you know. 
there's one of us in every country. You get, everybody gets one. Now, <laughs> but as we close up on this conversation, boat, I'm gonna. What was the highlight of the trip and the lowly low light of the trip? Uh, the highlight of the trip was definitely the cave. It was definitely the cave. It was it was the the whole experience of getting to see everybody, getting to see everybody that I talked to online, like Hermski and all these people. Yeah, you Tabudia, saw everybody the fact, over there. Yeah, the fact that uh, getting to see Edvin again and Chris Folds, um, doing the uh, the Sabudio, awesome. It was awesome. Um, the low light of the trip was definitely my bank account after the trip. <laughs> Everything in England is at least twice as expensive as it is here. I've I mean, now, that, yeah. that said, we were not in a lot of cheap parts of England. We were in London and then Cambridge and then Oxford. So these are very touristy places. The prices are going to be higher. But I was just, you know, I was expecting to go in and spend money, but not quite as much as when I came back and looked at my my balance. I was like, oh, oh. So uh, that was in. And I'm telling you, man, gas. Um, you know, Pix, he drives a little Ford, uh, little Ford Focus, right? Tiny car. We pulled up to the gas station. He was about empty. And I was like, listen, Pix, I got this. And he's like, you sure? I was like, yeah. He's been driving me around the whole trip, him and Pajaco. Guess how much it costs for him to fill up his tank in dollars? In U.S. dollars? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Probably about uh, 65 bucks. $83. That's close. Yeah. I mean, I knew not it was really expensive. close. That's a third more. Well, yeah. I don't know how much it's, a Ford Focus holds. Let's be honest with you, but I knew it's, it's it's way more expensive over there. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like that that it's just I don't know how people manage to have any sort of extraneous spending money over there. It's just everything was so much. But <laughs> for low lights, that was I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty if that was the worst thing that happened to me. You can tell how great my trip was. There you go. Hey, listen, I've got an idea. Let's get to the highlight of this show. It's a little game I like to call Blood Money. Blood Money. There's, there's a whole lot more yeah. coming. The biggest unanswered question is where there's, is there's the money? There's a whole lot more coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The biggest unanswered question is where. I could listen to that all day, Boat. That's the, mm -hmm. the the legendary blood money theme, my friends. But we'll save that for a little bit later, Boat. Let's talk about blood money. Uh, by, by the way, just for fun, do you remember when we originally looked at this boat? Did you look to see what this it was? was? I did. This was, real, this was real early on, I have a feeling, because this is one of your favorites. This was episode, believe it or not, we waited until episode 25 before we did this okay. one. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, just an FYI, uh, I, this was uh, the this was the game that got me into the Amiga probably more than any other game, which we'll get to that in a little while. So, Blood Money released an '89 boat on the Amiga and the Atari. This had a couple other releases: uh, a DOS release in '89, and the 64 got a release in '90. Boat, if you can believe that. Uh, mm. Published by the people you badmouth in your opening psychosis. I don't know how you can badmouth these people. They've I know how. They've published like the Shadow of the Beast series, Menace, yeah, Brian the Lion, Awesome, and Lemmings. Let's get with the, Don't forget Lemmings. So uh, one out of eight was good. Good work. Good work, Psychnosis. Well, to be fair, there was more than one Lemmings. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> uh, developed by DMA Design Games, another legendary developer 
who did the, all the Lemmings games. They did Hired Guns. They did Menace. And they did my personal favorite, Bam, Walker. I don't mean Texas Ranger. I love Walker. Uh, this game was coded by Dave Jones. Uh, Dave worked on uh, a lot of the Lemmings games, uh, Lemmings, Holiday Lemmings, Oh No More Lemmings, and also worked on Menace. And the graphics list, Tony Smith, who worked on about the same stuff, plus a few extra things, Risk, Sorcery Plus. Uh, the uh, music on this game, I saw some people miss, uh, miss uh, uh, representing who did the uh, opening theme in this. Uh, the sound effects of this game were done by the legendary David Whitaker, who we all we know him from about a million different places. But mm -hmm. the music on this was done by Ray Norrish. Uh, Ray Norrish uh, was responsible for some pretty good tunes over the years, uh, including another great Cygnosis uh, game theme, which was uh, the K Killing Game Show. He did Alcatraz, he did Anarchy. He did the Jetsons game, which is a pretty good theme there, if you've heard that. Uh, Captain Fizz, and a game called Scooting and Sweep, which had a pretty good theme. I, I, I went through and had a uh, Ray Norris song set down a couple days ago to hear what all this stuff said for. The box art on this, you know, say what you will about Cygnosis Boat, and you will, but you gotta admit that they have, uh, they've got the cool guy aesthetic down pat. Yeah. Their yeah, stuff I is have double no complaints, cool. No complaints yeah. about the box art on any Cygnosis game. Well, what do you? How do you get the coolest box art boat? I'll tell you, you how. You pay the coolest artist. Well, yeah, it's true. But you also wait till the book comes out, and you just sort of slide mm. on in. That's what they did here. <laughs> There's a book called uh, from Larry Nevin called Protector, and what they did was basically reworked that cover for the for the box. From what I read, uh, mm. so uh, Peter Andrew Jones, who's done a, who had a, his art used a bunch of times. And on games we looked at, including Badlands, uh, Knights of Crystal, Venus, The Fly Trap, a bunch of others. He's all over the place. Uh, this was a uh, OCS joint, uh, two-disker boat, originally priced at 25 pounds, uh, and was the uh, um, long-awaited sequel to Menace. I guess we should briefly, it, it, just for, before we get into it, did you ever play Menace? You know, we never we've never done it on this show. I don't I don't think I've ever played it, not even on a stream. And it's so famous because of the intro for this game. Yeah. I can't believe that I haven't, but I don't think there, I have. There's no way we'd have heard about it if there wasn't <laughs> mentioned right. in this. But I did actually take a look at it. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, the opening of this game after we talk about the game itself. We decided um, now, boat. Uh, we played this again on episode twenty five. Uh, and before we got into the game this week, I'm sure you remembered it because we do mention it quite a bit on the show. What did you remember from this uh, before you sat back down with it? Hating it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so now you've sat back down with it, uh, mm -hmm. and we'll see what you think. I guess we should just give a, a brief rundown of what this game is. Did you happen to look at the docs for this boat to read the backstory? Gosh, no. I did. <laughs> I did. I threw in, but I'm in. I'm in all the way. And we didn't talk about it in the first uh, time we did this. So <clears throat> the backstory of this is pretty simple. Uh, there's a, a bit in the manual here. So Blood Money takes place on an alien safari across the untamed horizons of four hostile planets. Okay. The organizers change varying rates of admission each planet, but have devised a unique way of rewarding successful hunters. That's the gimmick. You're, you're, it's a sort of like a, uh, um, 
almost like a game show. Uh, basically, you go. You you're. It's a uh, fun thing to do if you're a high level hunter. Mm. And so I'm not going to go into the minutia, but, but then they're also written in the manual uh, is an amusing, uh, like a telegram that some dude wrote to his mom who had just sent him 200 credits because he was bored. And he wanted to do something fun, and he heard the alien safari was super cool. And so that's there's a little there's a little bit here. They published a letter in the instructions about him thanking his mom. He's an alien, by the way. Listen, the backstory in this isn't going to win uh, any sort of. Uh, <laughs> clearly, they didn't lift any of Larry Niven's work for the backstory of the, of the game, but it was kind of dopey, dopey and fun. Um. So with that said, you start the game by picking one of four, really, you only pick one of two different levels to start on in the game. Uh, this game is a, a very smooth scrolling uh, shoot, shoot 'em up, uh, and where you you're going to scroll multiple ways as you traverse these various planets. Uh, you've got four planets to choose from. You've got level one, which is the helicopter planet. Uh, level two, which is your underwater planet. Level three, which is the planet where you're in. A, where you have a jetpack, and in the final planet, you're in a spaceship. Um, you can always pick the, fir the first two at the beginning because you've only got that much money, uh, one or two hundred dollars. I think we've mostly all played. I know the one I usually pick is the is the helicopter. Do you have a favorite that you pick off the out of the gate boat? Just the this the 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 regular one, the helicopter. The helicopter. You don't seem you don't seem like you're very inspired for this one, boat. <laughs> Listen, I, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. They, what's the word? Cut a promo on this game when it's well, my uh, turn. Okay. okay, go on, keep going. So, what do you do in the game? Well, you take whatever uh, vehicle that you've that you've chosen on uh, whatever level. You have you, each level you has their own vehicle. vehicle. So, what's yeah, that? You can't you can't pick a vehicle. In this well, game. but you every, can pick every level has its own vehicle. Right, right. But I'm, that's what I meant. That's you, I was whatever, thrown by your question because it didn't. Make yeah, any sense. I, I didn't phrase that very well. So, for example, the first level you can pick the helicopter. That's it. Uh, so, once you get in here, you'll notice that each level uh, has a very screw uh, smooth. Sort of uh, multiplanar scrolling as you go through. It's not multiplanar. It's scrolling. not, but it's it's simulated multiplanar. How about that? Uh, where no. you where you go through different planets. So each planet has its own gimmick. Okay, uh, the first planet, uh, the helicopter planet. Uh, it's just sort of a I want to say kind of a generic planet, but the big gimmick in it is that you're moving these rotating turnstiles. There's tons right. of these turnstiles. When you shoot them, they'll rotate, and sometimes you have to shoot them to move them and to rotate them. Uh, so those are your number one obstacle. But basically, you're accosted from all sides by whatever wanders on the screen. This is a game we use all the time to talk about just idiot aliens, just idiots when they just stuff just wanders out on the screen in patterns. There's no real. It just you're at a certain point. It's time for this thing to wander out. You shoot them. You know they come out and you kill them or you get killed. Uh, as you kill like, the guys in this game, money will fall out of them. So depending on where you kill them, you have to catch the money. So there's a, strate uh, there's a strategy there in terms of where you want to shoot these guys so you could get underneath them and catch the money that falls out. Well, why do you need money? Well, because, number one, you're trying to make money. Number two, there, there are stores on all the levels that you can stop in to load up on different weapons. Loading up on different weapons in this is a double or triple vital because without the extra firepower, you're boned. Uh, the weapons don't really change. You can get missiles. You can get additional 
uh, missiles that shoot upwards or downwards. You can get these little like uh, things that fall out of your ship, like like little bombs, like you were playing Super Cobra or something. You've got long range missiles. You've also got support fire. You can also buy extra man. Um, there's a variety of, the, of things you can buy. It's, I think it's probably about 10, 10 things that you can buy on the screen. And then once you finish up, you take back off uh, and move on. The game, like I mentioned, will uh, scroll up and down, left and right, uh, at, a, at a pace that you don't really have any effect on. Uh, Occasionally, you'll have to literally scroll up. You'll scroll up to the screen, and there'll be a door that opens and closes. They've got one of these on every level. Sometimes it's a door. Sometimes it's little monsters with, with jaws. Sometimes it's ice. Whatever it is, you have to get through it. Your ship has a life bar, but it's one of those life bars that once it hits you, like it will just keep draining if you keep getting touched. So yeah, you, it really the, the doesn't life help bar, that much. The life bar is only really brought into play when you run into uh, environmental obstacles. So like if you run into the, the floor and there's spikes on the floor or something like that, because if you're shot by an enemy, you're instantly destroyed. So it's more like a hull breach type thing that that keeps you from. But again, it runs down so fast that it might as well not even be there. Yeah, the light. Yeah, well, that. Yeah, I mean, what he said, I, I agree with the exact one hundred percent. The life bar is uh, it, it gives you reassurance, but don't be fooled. It's like buying really bad insurance. Uh, these levels scroll on on until you get to an end boss. Uh, each of the four planets have its have its own end boss. Uh, the first level's end boss is a big square spaceship. It's pretty nondescript, really, if I'm honest. The second level has these three giant eels that come out. They're different colors. That's kind of cool. The third level has this thing that comes out and <laughs> it opens its tongue, and the tongue has like a gun at the end that shoots bullets in four directions. I call the it old the old. Tongue. It's the giant slug with the scattered tongue. It's what I got in my notes. The old scattered tongue. And I, I will say the big slug has these like, uh, um, I don't know what you would call these, uh, uh, warts on its back of its head. And if every time you shoot it enough, one of the warts pop and eventually you blow its head off. That's the gimmick. And then lastly, and sort of most depressingly, on the last level, uh, you have this creature. It's like a giant brain, you know, with these four like mm -hmm. gimmicks coming out the corners. And just mm -hmm. like you shoot it and it just explodes. It's not, I was not, I was unimpressed. So the giant slug and the eels are the coolest end bosses in this. And at the very end of the game, it does have a, I will give it some credit. There is a very, very tiny, very quick end part of the game. It doesn't seem like it's uh, uh, appropriate for the amount of pain you'd have to go through to beat this game because this game is double rock hard. Rock hard. I've never even came close to beating any level under any circumstances. I get mauled very quickly in this game. Boat, I think that's the. I think that sort of sums up the game. Your thoughts? This game is a. It's it's interesting. There there aren't a whole lot of games that are out there that that take this perspective that I've played before because this is this is a an auto scrolling shooter that scrolls both vertically and horizontally so you can kind of this this uh, games like this always remind me of those rides at disney world that aren't really rides it's like it's the exxon ride the power of tomorrow where you go on the thing and you sit down and you basically just get taken from one place to the next and you have no agency whatsoever. You're just along for the ride. That's what this game is. It's yeah. being along for the ride, the ride of death. So 
what this game you are constantly accosted by all matter of enemies uh and the enemies in this game are they are varied you know there's di- there's lots of different types of enemies uh they they but they're not really i wouldn't say that they're really out to get you as much as they're just out for their daily rounds you know they they don't really hone in on you most of the time as much as they just kind of appear in these large groups that kind of roam around the screen they are the true embodiment of wandering monsters (laughs) they literally wander around and it's your job to just destroy them before that they get to you and and kill you uh, while you do that, uh, when you destroy enemies, you collect money. And like you said, the, the whole point of the game is to collect money, which your score is based on, but then also to buy upgrades. Um, on the face of it, uh, written on paper, it's not the worst concept. Like I said, it's pretty unique in the fact that you have a, a scrolling shooter that goes back and forth between scrolling horizontally and vertically. It's definitely a uh, another uh, variant on the sort of uh, Gradius or R-type type game where you're either scrolling vertically or horizontally. Um I like the idea of, you know, money in, in shops and the, the, the whole thing that you read from the docs about, um, you know, this is sort of like a game show for the for the super rich or the, the super brave where they, they have these stores set up on these planets. Maybe the planets aren't necessarily hostile planets to anyone other than the players, you know, and they're they're cranked up to kind of be like booby traps for these these rich explorers to go and try their luck. So that's cool, you know. The problem that I have, the main problem that I have with games, surprisingly, is not the difficulty. Now, the difficulty is rock hard. This is a game that uh, if you watch any playthrough on YouTube, there's not a one that's not using cheats out the wazoo, either invincibility cheats or infinite live cheats or anything. This is this is not a game that I'm convinced anyone under any circumstances can actually complete. I'd love to be proven wrong, okay? The problem that I have with this game is that it's so incredibly boring. This is one of the most boring games I've ever played because you as a player have no agency. All you're doing is sitting, watching the screen scroll around you, watching these enemies that really ostensibly want nothing to do with you, just sort of fly on by, and you've got to blow them out of the way before they cross paths with you and kill you. the games, the levels last forever. I think I timed it. I think the first level is something like 20 minutes. Yep, that's what I and got. I timed them too. Yes, exactly. And, that's, and it's 20 minutes of the same thing. Nothing changes. You're watching the screen scroll on by at this glacial place. You've got tons of enemies that are coming at you. You blow them away. Once minute five passes, you've seen everything graphically the level has to offer. So the only thing that's left to do for the last 15 minutes is just sort of endure it until it's over. And that is the unforgivable sin of blood money is that they no one gave any thought to the fact that, hey, maybe people aren't going to like to just sit here and do the same thing for 20 minutes times four. Maybe we need to have some variety. Maybe we need to have, you know, where the levels are short, but, you know, you have like little things to do in between. Or maybe we put the shops in between to break up the action. Maybe we let the upgrade stay after you die, so you're not constantly getting frustrated. But again, 
when you have one person develop a game in the grand European tradition and there is absolutely no playtesting, and you put a really good-looking piece of cover art on there, hey, maybe you make an awesome opening that you can put on a cover disc, you're going to sell as many copies as if you'd made a good game. And that's just the way it goes. I don't disagree with the majority of what you said. In fact, there's some stuff you left out, in my opinion. For example, and you barely, you did touch on one thing that drove me nuts. This game is rock hard. When you get to those uh, stores, you're like barely there. By the, you're hanging on by your fingernails to get these weapons. Because the weapons make a huge difference in this game. The fact that you lose those all those weapons when you die is ridiculous. The game is too hard. That is ridiculous. And this game, that would make a huge difference. Just that little addition to give you a fighting chance to get past this thing. Secondly, the game is one of those games that doesn't have, uh, you can have the music or the uh, sound effects. You can't have both. We both hate that crap. That's something else I don't like. So that that's something else that you're yeah, right. But I mean, that's 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 the Amiga. I'm not going to fault this game for something that literally all Amiga games do. Well, have. a lot of games have both. Um, also, on top of everything else, the, the fact that you're right, this game does just meander along. Uh, it's almost like playing like a laser disc game in some ways, where you just sort of like, <laughs> you basically control the little actor on the screen. You're just waiting for the disc to get to the next part of the movie uh, mm. because it, it is kind of slow. Now, I will say, I read there, it's funny that in the manual, the, the guys that did the game, uh, Jones, he talks at the end of the bar, he talks about his thinking on the game. And so, this was the sequel to Menace. I like. I had a look at Menace. Mm-hmm. Menace is like a, a straight-on side-scrolling shooter shmup, sort of like this. Mm-hmm. So I could see why he would make this game to be a sequel to Menace. Uh, I'm not saying he did the right thing, but I could see why. But he mentions in the documentation that he thought Menace. He got all these reports that everyone had beat Menace because it was too easy. All right. So right. he did not make this easy. He made this incredibly yeah. difficult. And I think I think yeah. he got a lot of feedback t- telling him that Menace was too simple. And yeah. so maybe and I can totally understand that. I, I think that this is a game for a, a certain kind of audience that is just not me. Because I I even in my prime, I would have been and say that I was in my prime and also had amazing gaming skills. I just doing the same thing for 20 minutes at a clip in a video game. That's too much like real life. That's too much like real work where you're doing the same thing over and over again. I want variety in my video games. I want constant change and constant variety. And this game is, it's just, it's just not that it's just not that it's the same thing over and over again. And even when you go to the other levels, it's basically just a, you know, it's, you get new graphics, you get new music. Heck no. Uh, but you get new graphics, you get new enemies. But I mean, that's that's every shooter's. You're you're doing the same thing. This this game it doesn't appeal to me on any level whatsoever. And it's just it's a shame. It just seems like another one of those games where so many people were sold on the intro, uh, and, and I'm sure that they were sold on Menace too, because by all accounts, Menace was a good game. But um, if I, you know, I would have been disappointed by this, or I would have, I would have, I would have given it up quite quickly. Now, I, I will say that, <clears throat> the game does do a few things right that I enjoy. Number one, uh, mo- simultaneous multiplayer, cool. I mean, it's nice. It'd be cool if you could actually, you know, 
team up, like really team up. These levels, in my opinion, they don't, um, they aren't conducive to good two-player action. I mean, you're you're sh basically it's two people playing at once, but you're not really helping each other. You know, what I'm saying it's there. I wish there was some cohesion that you could to make the game a little more easy with two people. He's got these money eaters that come around and get hold of you and take away your money. That's mm -hmm. different. Occasionally, mm -hmm. you'll come across these towers that are out there. They screw up your controls. It's also different, you know, that's for sure. Uh, when you get into the third and fourth levels, if, as you go far enough into the level, the level will change to, like, a water setting. Kind of cool. You know, the water areas are neat. But, again, it, you have to take, it takes forever to get there, and I could never get there in a million years. Uh, some of the some of the well, I'll tell you I'll tell you what I what I did when I played this game is I would play each level for like the first ten minutes and I had of course I had invincibility on and and then I would just let it scroll through you know just to see if there was anything else and there was never anything else and then I was like why am I even bothering doing this I'll just I'll just look it up on YouTube it was. I'm trying to think about, because I always like to say, well, if I was making this game, I would do this and this and this to make it better. But thinking about what you said, the guy's name was, did you say his name was Davy Jones? Like the monkeys? His, his name is, his, uh, the, 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 pro, the, the programmer's name is Dave Jones. Dave like, Jones. Yeah, sorry, just Dave. Yeah, like the monkeys. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, thinking about from his perspective, like you said, he sold Menace. Menace was a big hit. People said Menace was too easy. He made a game that is probably more technically uh, technically superior and more difficult in release blood money. So he did exactly what he probably should have done. It's just it's just a game that I just have a hard time finding the fun in. You know, it's uh, you know, Pixels uh, at Dawn in our chat mentioned that this game reminded him a bit of Mr. Heli. Um, uh, mm -hmm. The author does, in fact, mention that this was partially inspired by the cuteness of Mr. Heli. Uh, mm. So there you go. There's the there's your co connection right there. Um, there uh, allegedly uh, there was a conversion of this for the uh, for the Mega Drive that was never completed, uh, but there, uh, that's that the one of the guys doing the music for him mentioned. So apparently this was something, something that was going to get ported over. Uh, this game was hugely successful, uh, and it was. Uh, uh, we'll look at the reviews here in a minute, but it was hugely successful according to uh, a couple places I read. They have this thing as uh, the game having sold 40,000 copies. So it sold double the amount of copies that Menace did. Yeah, I was right. going to say 40,000 is, I, I, you know, it's funny. We were talking to, um, we were talking to Chris Folds about this in England. He was talking about, you know, he's had so much uh, interaction with developers from back in the day. And he said that if your game sold something like 10,000 copies, it was like a mega super hit. So 40,000, yeah. he must have yeah. been on cloud nine. Uh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. The op the very first line in the, in the manual, I thought of you, Boat, when I read it. It said, congratulations, you've just got your hands on the ultimate arcade game. <laughs> That's what the first thing it says. <laughs> I thought, Boat, I could see Boat throwing the manual. <laughs> he put a lot of cold stats in here, uh, including the amount of graphics data and sound data in here. There, the opening sound has a song has 250 K of music, sound data, and 16K of effects. It's got everything on here about the screen update time, the joystick scan. So you can tell the guys that put this together. Listen, if you don't like the game or do like the game, and the scrolling, the look of it, I mean, it's quite a beautiful yeah. game, for, especially for and, 89. And the, game, the game does control very well. I have no complaints about the controls. Um, now, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, the opening. 
and then we'll get to the reviews. The opening is is pretty key here. So, in case you uh, fell off a cliff and you've never ever seen the opening of this, this has got to be one of the most watched and rewatched and listened to openings in the history of the Amiga and possibly all games. It's incredibly. Uh, uh, I've seen it a million times. It was what I played it myself to everyone I knew. It's one of the first Amiga games that I ever saw that I was like, I gotta have an Amiga. I gotta have one. And it's the famous opening uh, with the music from Norish that comes up. It shows a ship racing across the universe. It's avoiding these asteroids. Then it comes down on these two planets that are in orbit. There's a planet with its moon. They both hone into view. What did you think of this opening boat the first time you saw it? Oh, it's spectacular. It's spectacular. I'm right there with you. This is one of the most impressive computer game openings I've ever seen. And it continues to impress me even to this day. It makes you excited to play the game, which is why the game itself, I mean, it almost makes the game worse because the opening is so good. Um, it's got, uh, it, you know, it, you've got a, th- a 3D perspective as your ship is flying through all these planets and stuff. There's a great samples, you know, voice samples that are playing. Uh, it's fantastic. I loved it. it. It is an all-time classic, and it's funny. I got a comment on our old Blood Money video, and it was from Ray Norwich, and I was like, I fanboyed all over him when I wrote back. I was like, oh, God. And he just literally mentioned that he's like, I just I put that song together with a bunch of samples I had sitting around or whatever. Like, it was like nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an all-time classic. I know it's, you're not the biggest fan of that Euro-type music. And trash. But, is but this, this song... I love this song. It's it's easily my one of my all-time favorite pieces of music on the Amiga. I wanted our show to use this as the Blood Money theme. As it's an opening theme, if you recall. I've suggested that way back because I loved it so much. Thankfully, one of us had a, a better idea because it is also well-trodden. But, I mean, it's just a great piece. Well, and, I, I don't know. I, I think we probably could have gotten by by using it. I don't know yeah, but I mean, it's, it's Thriller or Beat It, you know. If I said, if I said, Boat, it's an Amiga game show, what what kind of music do you think they're going to use for the opening? That's probably, you'd probably at least say, well, maybe they're using this. You know, it's sort of, yeah. you almost expect it. Uh, I contend that the uh, the opening sold this game, full stop. I think people, just seeing the opening was enough to buy the game. I think the opening, between the opening, the way the the box looked, the fact that it was cool guy style everywhere, and then the game looked good enough to where it didn't turn you off to buy it. But, I mean, that that opening was a, was a, a game mover. Would you uh, agree with that? I don't know. I really don't know because I don't know how many people looked... <laughs> at games before they bought them in that way. I mean, maybe if you were over at a friend's house, but I think it's one of those things where you would only see the game as if it was at a friend's house or if you pirated the game. Yeah. And so if you pirated the game, not many people were like, man, I've got this for free time to go buy it. So, well, I don't I'm, know. I'm thinking they're playing. If you're going to, if you have a shop and you're trying to sell games, this is the game you put in and you just play that opening over and over. Yeah, that, and, and you never play the game. If you get like, no, right. don't, we don't need this. <laughs> It's one of the few games I've ever seen where the menus all flip cool guy style, but if you can't stay into it, the 15 seconds it takes to get through the menu, there's a button that says patience, and you can hit the button that says impatience, and it makes the screen stop doing that annoying thing. But I, these guys looked like slick, demo-style programmers, and they were. They knew what they were doing, and they were still, they were they had bigger and better things to come. This is DMA design I'm talking about here. 
I also just want to mention that uh, in the game are pretty much the walkers from Walker. I'm pretty sure that's where the guy got the idea for Walker. I'm pretty sure I read that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, if anything, this game... Well, of course, you hated Walker, too, but <laughs> Walker's way well, better no, than this. I, no, I, I don't hate Walker with the hate that I hate this game. Walker is okay. You didn't kill it like I thought you would. I'll be honest with you. Um, I did look at some the uh, the scores, the magazine scores. You're going to love these. They're, they're not what you think. Uh, Lemon scores this game 6.97, so under 7 for this one on Lemon Boat. Uh, the magazines were sort of all over the map, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for example, uh, AUI gave it 7 out of 10. Uh, you had CU and me, uh, Commodore 76. Uh, 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 you had The One gave it 74. You know, so it, well, I thought they would just be awesome scores. The cumulative magazine rating, according to Lemon, 71% boat. So not... Mm. Not I thought it would be one of those games. Honestly, I did. How did our Patreons uh, consider the game? Uh, we got a couple of reviews this week. Uh, Pajaco6502 writes, I didn't play this back in the day. My only experience with it was through a cover disc demo that had static images from the game and the game's soundtrack playing, which is the way that you want to sell this game. Uh, I heard good things about this game was looking forward to it. Boy, was I disappointed. If there is a shooter equivalent of Euro platformers, then blood money is it. Slow, plodding, and cheap as heck in places and just comes off feeling like a PD game. The levels are incredibly long and repetitive, so by the time you get to the end, you feel no sense of achievement, more a sense of relief. If you can ever actually reach the end of any of the levels without cheats, then you are not human. Graphically, it really has an air of being cobbled together from leftover bits of other unfinished games but the sprites are nicely drawn and animated. The single music track is okay, but being the only track, you will tire of hearing it. And if I'm honest, it doesn't suit the game. If you played this back in the day and have fond memories of it and still enjoy it, then that's fantastic. However, if you're new to this, like me, then listen to the cool stories about it and enjoy it through other people, but avoid playing it because you'll just be left wondering what all the fuss is about. Five out of ten. Graham W. Vebke writes, Blood Money is such a dull and pointless game. Psygnosis again could not resist itself and messed with the menace formula that was onto something. Instead of making Blood Money with long and too busy levels, too slow controls, and too many cheap ways to lose lives. This game does have some nice animations like the jellyfish on level 2 if you bother to put time into the game. But who am I kidding? Play the terrible sidearms conversion instead. Two out of ten. And finally, Lord Soup writes, This game's controls let it down massively. You turn when just trying to move back and there's no way to keep your facing while retreating from the myriad enemies whilst giving them hell with your gun. A game that with a reverse button or a button to maintain facing could have been a solid seven. Decent looking, but with my pet peeve in retro of music or sound effects. Mm -hmm. I got irritated after a few short goes. Once again, Amiga should have been a three-button machine, but multi-button was rarely supported early on and implemented too late for a lot of games that could have benefited from it. Really not for me, three out of ten. Hmm, interesting. I, okay. I have to say, I, I thought this would score... I didn't... Well, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure. Um, despite those kind of... Uh, lukewarm responses uh this that is, is not a, big... a lukewarm response <laughs> yeah well, that was a I'm very to be uh i looked this up on ebay boat and guess what 
despite those hated responses, it's still wanted by somebody. Uh, I saw these uh, people asking for a buck sixty on these one sixty U.S. and people routinely buying these for over sixty dollars. The uh, box looks cool. Psychosis well, puts out is, awesome yeah, boxes. It's, I think that there are lots of people that collect Psychosis <clears throat> boxes. Oh yeah. That, uh, that understand that what is inside the box is not nearly as cool as what's on the outside. You know the funny thing, before we wrap this one up, Bode, and here we are again, and I know you buried Psygnosis, and they had hits and misses. Like We can admit that. But they had one even, hit. Even this game, no, they had way more than one. They, even this game, uh, they you've got a talented studio here, DMA, who were on the cusp of greatness, right? And this game has some elements... They were just, they always came close, but just could not get across the gameplay finish line on these games. It's sort of weird that they would be drawn to these games that look good, that are cool, but are ultimately too difficult or just not very well done. You know, well, I, I, and I, I think the gaming landscape has changed tremendously since 1989. Again, I'm going to go back to the, the interview again. The guy released a game, the people said it's too easy. He made a longer game that had the you know the same mechanics but you know uh, different scrolling or whatever, and presumably because of the sales, people really liked it. So even though we're you know I'm panning this game in 2020, uh, the like I said the the home computer landscape, especially these guys like very limited exposure to console quality games. This is the kind of thing that they were probably like, yeah, this is probably the greatest shooter that's ever been. You know, I, I, I think you nailed it, Boat. I, I think that's a very well thought out because it, it's a different landscape uh, and also different people. This game violates our platforming rule in a shooter. That doesn't happen that often. 20-minute levels on a shooter? What the hell are they thinking? But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I think you're right. We said, uh, you had to have been there. I mean, one of those games. But, hey, I'm happy for Blood Money. I always enjoy this title just so I can stick in this one boot up the kick-ass demo and then roll out the door boat which is what we're doing welcome to retro rewind i'm your host british jones whether you enter the amiga commodore 64 or tiger floral print speed suits retro rewind has all you need from the friendly hosers of the great white north looking to upgrade your amiga check out the amiga os 3.2.2 kickstart rom for just 18 dollars or maybe you need a c64 or c128 diagnostic harness grab one while they're hot. Don't miss our bestsellers like the 1541 Transit Card for just $1 or the incredible Amiga Coin Cell Battery Adapter. Shop now at Retro Rewind Limited and bring your classic computers back to life. Retro Rewind Limited. Frank's the man. Amiga News. Oh, yeah. All right, Aaron. Uh, some cool Amiga news this week. Yes, sir. Um, I believe that uh, we have... Uh, you you got to go up a couple more stories to the next start here because this was news that we talked about. Oh, on, sorry, Boat. You're right. In my bad. <laughs> That's okay. Like I said, these these are new stories to you, and they will be released when the, when the cave episode is, is launched. So our first <laughs> video, Aaron, is a video... Uh, about Amiga roguelikes. There's a guy, uh, and boy, I wish that I pulled up his name because he emailed me. Uh, a guy named Chris, I think, emailed me this this video. This didn't come across my radar, but this is from uh, Amiga Love, one oh, yeah. of our favorite people in the Amiga community. Uh, and he 
and this is uh, just a, a collection of rogue and roguelike games available for the Amiga. Uh, I haven't watched this yet, but I am going to give this a watch later on this <laughs> evening because I love roguelikes. As much as I hate dungeon crawlers, I have the same amount of love for rogue and its many variants. So. You know, the, the Brent's a big fan of the roguelikes. I'll, I'll, I'll take it as, as they come. Sometimes I'm into them, but I do love Amiga love. Not only does he is he super passionate about the Amiga, I mean super duper passionate, but like he won't he will not tolerate non love. He he is he wants to love and you give it to him because that's the kind of guy he is. He draws it out of you. This looks great. I I caught some of this, but I haven't got to see the whole thing. But yeah, I I've liked everything he does. I wish he would do more. He's great. Great stuff. And Rogue likes eh? If I'm in the mood, man, I get down into it. I like it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, check that out. Now, coming up next, this is a video. I always like people that do different tutorials about things that I think are, are fascinating. And this is a Yawning Angel Retro. Uh, he's he's done some commenting on our videos <laughs> in the past. Yeah. Uh, I was oh, yeah. recently made aware of his, his channel. And uh, boy, he's got some great stuff. If you are interested in Amos programming... Uh, and using Amos to do various things like play music. Uh, watch his series of tutorials. They're very good. And uh, this is a way, you know, speaking of sound samples, we're just talking about Blood Money. Here's a, a video tutorial on how to set up your own sequencer so you can play some of these uh, these sound samples. Pretty cool, Aaron. I like it. I'm glad to see that he's just like Jack the Jester from the uh, from that goofy uh, Spectrum game. Or no, it was that Atari ST game. Me and Brick covered a couple weeks ago with this Jester the Hero. I thought yeah, his name was great. Pester the Jester. No, that's I put that. You Because Pester oh. is what they're doing. Oh, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, this okay. looks... Listen, I tried to program an Amos when I was a, a, a younger man. I didn't mm. do a good job. You know? <clears throat> and and uh, But Amos... I know how you love to rag on these uh, do-it-yourself, like like sort of like starter OSs to get this stuff going or these well, it's, it's but really I mean, only the red Amos says they've put out some good stuff with Amos man so if you've got if you've got the jack you can get it done and if you got the jack to wear a hat like this then you you know you've got the jack to program an Amos man plus you know tutorials you probably know a thing or two so yeah this looks good I, I I've also like to see people the more the merrier get in there it's I've always heard it's a great start like early on programming language like get your feet wet so there you go yeah yeah all right and finally and apparently according to pixels of dawn the yawning angel aka Pete keith he writes amos to tutorials for amiga addicts so if you want to go bam there you go nice work um up next is world of commodore 2023 it's going down right now no i mean sorry not right now tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow. aaron tell us about it <clears throat> well it's the world of commodore Man, the, this is the 40th anniversary of the world of Commodore. God, can you imagine that boat? It's crazy. That's insane. It's crazy. That is <laughs> insane. I can't get over that. Um, our good buddy uh, Frank uh, from Richard Rulon is going to be up there with his crew. <clears throat> Look at the special guest this year. It's RJ. He's in the house up there. And where is up there? 2161 North Sheridan Way, Mits Mississauga, Ontario. L5K183. That's a secret entry code. They don't have zip codes up in uh in Ontario. You just they just have random numbers. It's like an encrypted uh zip code. Uh and this is happening. To, uh, this will start up well as we film this. This is this will be kicking off tomorrow. It goes Saturday and Sunday 
uh, 10 a.m., and you will get in. This should be good. These are always epically huge, aren't they, Boot? They are. I mean, you want to talk about the the Commodore event in North America. It doesn't get bigger than World of Commodore. And hey, R.J. Michael in the house, you can't miss that. You know, I'm looking over here at their uh, at their uh, the Toronto Pet Users Group right there. Jerry Ellsworth. I, I guess she might be at this thing. You're gonna have a lot. Listen, they only look at these. Look at this. It's an all star crew up here uh, from mm. from earlier in the year. So I'm sure they're gonna have a good crew. Frank's up there repairing stuff. Should be a lot of fun. You know, that's a little bit too far. Let's not lie. That's way too far north for me to go at this time of year because it's already cold here. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. What do you think the temperature is up in up in uh, Ontario right now? It's got to oh, be off it, the charts. Minus 40, bare minus. minimum. <laughs> I don't know. But if you uh, listen, people would brave any temperature to see all their favorite uh, uh, Amiga stars. And so there they are. And if anything, get your computer fixed while you're up there. It'll be a, it's a cheap date. Get up there, get it done, have a good time, boat. Could yeah. you could you imagine taking a date to one of these? You think you could pull that off? Well, it'll be your last date with that person. Look <laughs> at that. You have to find um, the right girl. <laughs> uh, Aaron, we've got one more video. This one not Amiga related, but I watched this last night. So much better than I thought it would be. No offense to Neil and his channel, but I, I saw this. And I knew that this was coming up. This is a, a guy giving a talk about British arcade machines, and I was spurred to watch this. Oh, I saw this, yeah. <laughs> over in the uh, in, in his barn, he's got some Euro like Euro Pong and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was like, here's going to be this guy tell us all about Euro Pong and Euro Space Invaders, or I mean, British Space Invaders, and it's basically just going to be rib. No, it's nothing like that at all. This is actually great. And the yeah. reason why it's great is because it talks about not the, the people that were involved, the origins of this, and also the roots of the arcade scene in Britain in the electromagnetic games, the EM games. And these are the games that I'm yeah. really into because they're ultra rare. You never see these anymore. And he's talking about how, like, back in the 60s, this company got its start by not only copying the the, the schematics, but actually improving the schematics uh, and making them cheaper and perform better, at least according to the British people that were writing this book. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, this is, uh, it, I found this to be incredibly fascinating. Uh, there's a, uh, the, the first part of this is, is, is sort of a, a, a um, kind of a PowerPoint presentation of, uh, of the, the Alka uh, company. And then uh, they take a look at the actual Pong clone right there in the cave it looks better uh, and, than uh, pong a lot better it, it, yeah like the exactly. controls look exactly. infinitely better than the ones of pong right and so like i said i found this video to be fascinating and uh, again this is just something i really hope that neil leans into sort of talking about the british side of you know both the home computer and the arcade market because in a lot of ways that's un it's un you know unpaved ground or i'm looking for words that aren't there this is this is virgin territory un untrodden path but untrodden gray yeah there we go thank you sir i will um, say you know, i agree with you and and I'll also you know i would have watched this right away because you know me uh mm -hmm. and you know we have tons of knockoffs here in the states and of course all over asia uh, hidden Pirate Island was cranking out bootleg arcades like they're going out of style. And, but they're still fun. But I will admit, I did not know that they were just exclusively British knockoffs. It was a lot of fun. Right. And this, I thought to myself, too, oh, here comes the PowerPoint. But no, this is good. This guy's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> and the fact that they've got examples there 
added bonus. So yeah, I got a big kick out of this. I highly recommend this one as well. It's a shame that you didn't get to play like that ping pong while you were there. Some of the other stuff that would have been kind of yeah. Cool. They, they they had a bunch of stuff that was unfortunately with the, the screen that you're on right there. That's the barn. So I was standing up there when I was there. There the barn did not look like that. The barn was completely full to the brim of arcade games, and you couldn't get around anywhere. They're in the midst of a major sort of arcade buying purchase. Yeah. Uh, Holly's trying to work deals with people, and so uh, there weren't a lot of machines in the barn that were available to play. But uh, but yeah, I can't wait. And the, the the way that I see this going, you know, is that the the arcade is going to have so many uh, machines they can constantly have them in and out on rotation, and uh, you know they're constantly fixing things and making things better. So yeah, good times ahead for the the retro collective. Very good, very good. I, I enjoyed that one, boat. Oh, you know, I, 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 oh, just brought this up. Have you heard of an arcade game called Turkey Shoot? Yes. So this is a, this is a Namco arcade machine. It's a light gun game, I believe. And when you hit the turkey, real turkey feathers go up into the screen. They're like in a like a in a thing, like a little window, and you see that. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. <laughs> they they really had it. They had to think outside the box and and those older machines. I, mm -hmm. I I was happy. I like to see Neil get a bunch of mechanical machines there too. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. those don't get nearly as much love. There's only a couple of really big hubs in the States that really even carry the old and uh, redo the old ones, you know? Mm -hmm. So pretty cool. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, galloping ghost, but I think that, you know, one of the problems, and you mentioned this, uh, when we were at galloping ghost, they've got a million games. Okay. That's number one flaw because there's too many games and there, and you have to, it's not a place. It's a fat man's lament. And the old galloping ghost. Also, if you get overheated quickly, you're boned. Because oh, yeah. when we went yeah. there, it was it was super cold, and inside the arcade, it was like walking into a furnace. And yeah, secondly, a million degrees. When you've got a million games and a bunch of crazy Chicago maniacs in there, a lot of these suckers get broke. They're not getting the mm -hmm. TLC that the that the guy over at the cave can uh, hand out. You know, it's not their fault. What are you gonna do? It's a million games. You can't keep right. them all running. A million you know? games in two texts. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you really had need some choice ones, and the fact that you can move them in and out, that would go a long way. But yeah, this great. I agree. This was a really good video, boat. I enjoyed it yeah. quite a bit. Um, we really just had one thing uh, on the channel while you were out of town, a uh, boatster, and that was the uh, the old thanks for giving marathon with me and the Brent. Uh, we had a good time. So it came out actually a week ago today. Uh, we did, I think we did a little over eight hours of gaming action. Had a good crowd in there. Uh, played a lot of fun games. I didn't have to strangle the Brent the entire time, which was nice. And we could have kept going, but Brent got hungry. So that's the cutoff. The second well, the when you get hungry. <laughs> hangry Brent's not somebody you want to tangle with. No, no. Even unhangry you don't want. But he it was just... <laughs> But yeah, hangry. I was like, "Listen, end the stream immediately. Get out of here." But we had a good time. We hope everybody got, well, uh, enjoyed it. Before we wrap things up, I do want to thank everybody that was so kind to me in the UK. Every single person that came up to me had nice things to say about the show, nice things to say about you. Everybody loved you, by the way. You're the biggest star. Me? In the UK I wasn't right there. <laughs> you had cutouts. You you were all over the cave. You know, yeah, Neil went cutouts. down. <laughs> Who ended up with that cutout? All oh, that Dave Velociraptor took it home with him. Oh. I think he put it in his bedroom. I saw. Oh, so. oh geez. That's. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about that. 
<laughs> Did you have but, uh, but, around the Sabuco table where there's little mm-hmm. me's in the crowd? That's right. There were li- you made up the entire crowd, just endless rows of you. So, and I have all of those. Like I said, Neil graciously gave me the Sabudio set, and so next time we fire it up, we're gonna f- set those up, and uh, you'll be surrounded by yourself while you're playing. It, it was fun. I, I did make a special brief appearance last week uh, at the cave on the on the big screen. And it Brief, was fun. You were there for two hours. Well, it was fun to say hi to everybody. You know, I saw a lot of our buddies over there. I, I saw Happy Coding. I saw Pixels. Uh, I saw uh, um, Control Art Reese. I had to give him crap about mm-hmm. solar panels. I saw him and Dave. A lot of the guys over there. Edwin was. I mean, it was. It was. Uh, uh, it looked great, and I was. I was highly envious of you, uh, Boat. Uh, and I hope everyone that came out to see you on Amigas they had a good time. It looked like it was. Everybody had a lot of fun. Yeah, and of course the the MVPs of my trip are Pixels at Dawn and Pajaco sixty five oh two. They personally ferried me hither and yon. We went to uh, you know from from Cambridge to Oxford to Stroud to Wales. We went into Wales. Uh, we we traveled hundreds of miles, uh, and uh, I really appreciate especially those two guys for uh, for essentially planning my entire trip for me. I will say, in closing on this, is I would like to have been the. Uh, uh, Fly on the wall for the wacky couple that appeared to be Chris Folds and Edvin. And they're, oh my God. Because yeah. every time I heard something, <laughs> it sounded like the most insane, crazy thing I'd ever heard. I was like, man, well, just, that's, just, just I would love to be story. right there. One quick story: We are in um, we are in Burton on the water in the, in the Cotswolds. Right, this is our this is our sightseeing day before the cave, and we're sitting at the pub and we're watching uh, Edvin's uh, location because he shared his location with us on Google Maps. And we see him and Chris Folds in the car together, and they're coming down the lane, and they're like, they're coming close. And then all of a sudden, you see a brewery appear, or a <laughs> distillery appear over on the side, and you see them, and they're like, they're, they're getting close. Oh, what? They're turning off. They're going into the distillery. <laughs> <laughs> it was so it. funny. It was so I funny. love it. I love it. it you know, you're very fortunate, Bo, because, I mean, again, I've never, most of our buddies that we've known for a long time, heck, I've never got to actually talk to hardly any of them just the ones that came over here so it's you're lucky to i have got to meet these fellows in person i think that's danny and uh hopefully one of these days i'll make it out there boat yeah man you'd love it you'd love it all right guys or aaron what are we going to play next week on a uh, we have a show next guys week. occasionally if, if the sun hits if the sun hits me right I, i've been called guys let's see oh man Cool guy style. It's infestation. That looks like that. You know, they've got a clock in Cambridge. They and I, I will share this in the Discord that has an insect that looks just like that. That's turning these giant gears. It's a very disturbing clock. Uh, but I think that the infestation that box like are inspired by that clock. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yes, I am not. This is another psychosis game. So both fantastic. We're going, we're going just for keep on for. <laughs> I love it. It's like the people in the, in the, in the game commission. We just hate you. I just want to keep they putting do. the boots to you. Keep doing it. I you love know, it. The, the, in the AGSC this week, there was Maniac Mansion, like King's Quest 2, and Infestation. And they were they like, the, we know Boat wants to play Maniac Mansion. We're going for Infestation. They made, they made the right call. Hey, if they ever pick Maniac Mansion, we could use that 70-hour video you and Hat Chad made. That's right. That's right. The complete playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, though, infestation boat. Get into That's it. That's right. All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. Patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. We will see you next week. And until then.
Adios! Amigos is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Patreon supporters help choose the games we play, receive exclusive magnets, and get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server. Visit patreon.com slash amigospodcast if you'd like to support the show and join our community.